0: All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, or if you want to follow along on your phone, YouVersion, the Bible's already right there in your hand, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about today's subject. We're going to look about a life of destiny, and we're going to look at Jeremiah's call. Jeremiah ministered about 650 years before Jesus, and he had a long ministry of 42 years And by looking at Jeremiah's call, what I want you to see is your call. We often talk about what God does within us as a community. And much of the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament, is about us and how we relate to one another in community. But there's also points of Scripture emphasis where it talks about our personalized call. And I want you to see in Jeremiah's call your call because God has a plan for all of us, and I think you're going to be encouraged. I get all types of calls on my cell phone, and my, my number is kind of open for public consumption, and that's okay. So I answer when I can, and occasionally, more recently, it's happening, happening more often recently, uh, telemarketers will use my cell phone. I don't know how this has started, but it has, and so I will get a call that goes something like this. Congratulations, you have been picked for a free cruise to the Bahamas. And so what I do is I hang up and block the number. Never use it again. But it always feels odd to hear that because who would not want a free trip to the Bahamas? A free cruise, in fact. I mean, we would all enjoy that. But one of the reasons I know it's a hoax is the fact that I haven't applied for a free trip to the Bahamas. I haven't entered a contest where they're going to draw for a free trip. This marketing scheme is trying to, you know, bring me in and get my attention. And part of the reason I know this is that we live in a system, and there's really good things about the system, where we have to earn whatever we get. Whatever we get, we have to earn. Even if it's something like the lottery, and we have to pay a dollar not that I'm suggesting you do this, don't do it, But uh, and, and, and fill out the, the numbers or whatever. You have to do something to get something. That, that's just the way our economy is based. That's really the way our life works. You have to do something to get something. And so it feels really odd when we receive something or achieve something that's not based off our merit that just is given to us. Not only is it odd, it's rare. I mean, it never really happens. But when we look at the call of Jeremiah, you're going to see that Jeremiah was called before he did anything. He didn't earn his call. He didn't qualify himself for his call. He didn't reach a certain level of potential and then receive a call. He was called before he even existed. Jeremiah chapter 1, starting with verse 4. That's what the scripture says. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is remarkable for many reasons, but I want you to see here that Jeremiah didn't do anything. He was just picked. He was chosen. He didn't earn his call. His call was inherent. His call was innate. His call was given to him by God. A lot of you today need to hear this about your life because I know, I know that there's some people here that are discouraged about your present situation or your future hopes or your call. I know that because I've been discouraged about that in my life too. I don't think any of us has ever accomplished anything in life without having a season, a day, a night, whatever it is where we weren't little bit discouraged and the word of God wants to encourage you today the story of Jeremiah is going to encourage you today the first thing I want you to see you can write this down if you're taking notes is I want us to look at the call you and I are called of God before we earned that call it was given to us before we were even born there's a destiny on our lives Satan who is the accuser of the brothers and sisters of Christ, he wants to cause you to doubt your calling. And I know that sometimes we make some bad choices that make us doubt our calling, but God is greater than even our bad choices. And God redeems our bad choices. And I know this. I know that the enemy wants to attack the essence of who you are and who you are and who God's made you and what your calling is. And he wants you to forget this fact that you didn't, your call didn't develop as time went along. There's an element where we can say that is true, but the choice of God didn't develop as you went. It started before you even existed. There's a destiny. God predestined you, and God has a great plan for your life. So the question is, what have you been chosen for? What have you been chosen for? If God has chosen you, what is it for? And there's a variety of different possibilities, just like there's a variety of different people here. Sometimes we find our chosenness through our occupation. And we're like, what I do really makes a difference in people's lives. I know we have a lot of teachers, and there's no doubt a teacher makes a huge difference in someone's life. Those of you who are nurses and doctors, you know you're making a difference. The truth is we all make a difference. Even when we 're doing what would be considered service industry jobs we 're maybe waiting on tables or we 're you know cleaning facilities and part of the custodian staff, or we 're helping people in banking and these are things these are ways we serve people. I want you to know that every one of those occupations can make a difference it 's not about the status of what you do it 's about the love that you put into what you do. so all of our occupations make a difference, but some of you. It's really easy to connect your destiny to your occupation. You can just feel like, hey, I was born to do this. I was born to coach. or I was, I was born to be in architecture and design buildings. Or I, I just, when I go to work, I just feel alive. And, and that's a gift. And so I want to congratulate you on that because it's not the case for everyone. And don't take that for granted. And, and I hope you enjoy that. The truth is this, is some of us and a lot of us Uh, Work is very functional, and it's okay that that we remember that sometimes we just go to work because we need resources, and we need money, and we need food, and we need somewhere to live. I don't think we need to be insecure and think, oh, I don't have this amazing, fantastic job that makes me jump out of bed, and somehow I don't have a call on my life. Don't think that way, because whatever God's given you today is your provision And you don't have to just love your job like it's a perfect job right now. That may be part of your future. It may be part of what the Lord is teaching you today. No matter what you do, there's a chance to love somebody. There's a chance to show Christ. So, yes, our occupation may be part of our call, but it may not be directly. Maybe it's part of what you do through churches like this. As you volunteer, as you are part of the worship team as you are part of the nursery staff. I want to tell those of you who volunteer in the nursery, please know this, that you do not just take care of kids. You minister to kids. And when a baby comes and feels safe and feels loved and is in the presence of the Holy Spirit by caring nursery workers, that is a ministry and that is a calling. That is a calling. And our nursery workers have a calling on their life Even though sometimes it feels functionary, it feels like a function of what you're doing, it's a calling. And I'm amazed at all the volunteer work that happens around here. We only have three full-time staff in this church. And then we have several part-time staff that do amazing work. This place would not happen if people didn't volunteer. As I left a funeral yesterday, I had volunteers who were here cleaning the church and All through this morning, we have volunteers that are teaching children, that are doing all of the things that are necessary so that we could come and experience Jesus together. And when, when you build a local church, that's a great calling. Whatever you do to build a local church, that's a great call. Because the local church is what God is using to change the world. The local church is the most stabilizing force that we have in community. We can't trust government. We can't trust systems of education. We can't trust uh, the cultural crutches that used to bind us together. We trust the word of God proclaimed by the church of God. And when you volunteer your time and when you just give your heart to the church, you're doing a great thing. When you participate in the church, you're doing a great thing. Don't underestimate the power of participation. You know, the different small groups we have and Bible studies and services would not really work if no one came. (laughs) So we need participation. And this is part of your call. I really believe your call to be part of a local church. You're called to be part of the kingdom of God. You are builders. You're not consumers. You're not people that are just coming and you're just... Um, receiving uh, information and and receiving an experience and then moving along. You're builders. You're building the kingdom. You're building the church. You're building the purposes of God. And when we're long gone, listen, when all of us have died and moved on, the church will stand. The church has existed for the last 2,000 years. And the church will always be in every social situation, in every form of government, in every situation that the future uh, will face. The church will exist And that is what we're building. We're building the kingdom of God. And this is important. Some of you, your life, your life right now, your calling has to do with a single person. You're caring for a child who needs extra help. You're caring for a parent, a senior citizen who's not able to function on their own. You're maybe caring for someone who's not a blood relative, but they've become family to you. And I want you to hear today that your call is great your call is great. When you take care of the needs of someone who can't take care of themselves, there is nothing more like Jesus than when you do that. And your call is great. It's a powerful call. It's a significant call. And even though it's overlooked, it's overlooked. I honor you right now by what I'm telling you. The Lord honors you because there is nothing more like Jesus than we care when we care for people who cannot care for themselves. And I know that we have caregivers, some that I know, some that I don't know. The point is this. You were designed, created, predestined, chosen to make a difference in someone's life. You are a difference maker. Your relationships, your interaction with people, uh, the, the times that you are connected with other people, whatever form that is, you're designed by God predestined, chosen by God to share his love through your personality and through the methods that he has given you. Every single one of you. Psalms 139, starting with verse 13. It's a scripture we need to make sure that we reread on a regular basis to understand why life is important and that we value life at all levels, from the embryo to even those who are in prison. All life is valuable. Psalms 139, verse 13 for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. Look, let's, look at this part in the scripture, verse 16. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began isn't that a remarkable statement that God knew what would be happening in your life today and he planned these days out he is forming Christ in you he's forming your character he is forming the plan of God the plan of God is unfolding in your life I don't care what the circumstance is because I know that today it's just logical that some of you are up some of you are down All right. You know, the church is like a carousel. We're going like this, different people all over the room. Some are up, some are down. That's called life. That's called life. The Lord knows these things. He knows where you are. He knows your circumstance. And here's what the scripture just told us. He doesn't just know your circumstances because he's all knowing uh, about the present. He knew your circumstances before the circumstances even came. Now, How can I explain all of that? I can't. I just know God is powerful, big, sovereign, and that's why we worship him. That's why we worship him, because he's incredible. Satan wants to attack your significance. You may say, well, what what am I called to do? I don't know. I don't know what I'm called to do. Satan's trying to attack my my significance and, and I'm not sure about my career. I'm not sure about my relational situation. I'm not even sure about my geographical location. We get all bogged down in all these circumstantial things. Where should I be? Who should I be with? What should I be doing? And then we forget the most important thing. God's called you to love the people closest to you and love the people around you. When you don't know what to do, just be Jesus to somebody. When you don't know what to do, just Share the heart of Jesus with the person closest to you. And then even to the people you interact with that you may never know their name, a short interaction with them, you can share Jesus with them and Jesus can move through you. So here it is. It's a lot easier for us to believe bad stuff than good stuff. In fact, if I told you, you guys are lazy, you guys are undisciplined, you guys just need to get together, it was, yeah, yeah, man, what a tough preacher. He's guiding us today. But when I say you guys are called and there's nothing you can do about it, you didn't earn it, this happened before the beginning of time. When I tell you that, it's a little harder to believe that. It's a little harder to believe that for whatever reason. But you're called. And then you know what happens after we're called? Here's the second word we're going to focus on from this story. We resist. There's a resistance to the call. We become resistant. Going back to today's text Jeremiah chapter one, verse six. What did Jeremiah say after God reminded him of this amazing call from birth? He protested. I protested. I said, oh no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. There's all types of reasons we resist the call of God. There, there is various as the diversity in this crowd the diversity of stories that we have. There's all types of reasons we resist God. Rebellion, disobedience, insecurity, on and on and on and on. In this situation, in this situation, Jeremiah resisted God because of perceived limitations. He said, I'm too young. So what is it for you? Why are you resisting God's call? I mean, you have your own resistance. And you're saying, there's... There's a reason why you're resisting God's call. This is a pattern that happened all through scripture. See, Jeremiah was a prophet. Jeremiah spoke really hard words to God's people. But hundreds of years before Jeremiah, God's people were in a really rough situation. They were in Egypt as captives for 400 years. God chose another man, a man named Moses. God came to Moses and God... Challenged Moses to speak one of the, some of the most difficult words to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and this is how Moses responded in Exodus chapter four, verse ten. More resistance here. Moses replied to the Lord, "Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because I am slow and hesitant in speech. Isn't, isn't it amazing that God?" chose a guy who was slow in speech and hesitant to give the most important message to the most important person in the world. What do we do when we get a call? We look at our limitations. I'm not a good speaker. I'm too young. This is our human tendency. Our human tendency is to resist the call of God. Our human tendency is saying, I can't do it. Our human tendency is to look at our limitations, to look at our weaknesses, to look at the reasons why not. That is what the sinful nature within us wants to do. It wants to resist God's call. And then Satan himself comes and the powers under him accuse us. A few hundred years after Moses, another man named Gideon, he came, he was called by God. Another tough situation the Jewish people were in. And Gideon responded to the call of God this way in Judges chapter 6, verse 15. He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. We know in a patriarchal system that the youngest has little rights and little opportunity. So this is pretty tough. Gideon said, hey, I'm from the worst family and I'm in the worst situation in the worst family. How many can relate? How many have been there before? I've got the, I'm in the worst family in town and I'm the <laughs> youngest one in my family. The reason they're laughing is my 12-year-old son just raised his hand. Thanks, son. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes, huh? This is what we do is we, we see." the limitations. We see what's holding us back. We see what's keeping us from God's call. And I know today that some of you are in that situation that you're just resistant to the call of God. You're just resistant to what God's called you to do. And for whatever reason, men, we have a real problem with this. We we have a real problem with resisting God's call. And I say this with honor and respect to our sisters here. Our sisters have a Um, Just generalizing, of course. Um, Have a quicker first step to God. They just do. We have several women's Bible studies. The one Beth was leading had almost 40 ladies there. Monday ladies, they're excited about the Bible. They're excited about, you know, getting into God's word, volunteering, sacrificing. Guys, we get excited about sitting. That's what we get excited about. Just doing nothing. Now, all the women, they're going to have cricks in their neck because I see all the women going like this. You know, they're like, oh, praise God. The anointing's coming on Aaron today. Praise God. I know that I'm generalizing quite a bit and understand that. But I just want to call us men. Come on, let's lead, guys. Let's participate. Let's get involved. And I, I've, I've had this thing also, this cloud, I don't know what it is, this funk that comes over that just makes you just want to just veg out and, I don't know, waste away on the lazy boy. That, that's, that's not, God. I'm talking spiritually now because I know some of you are really into the fitness thing, but you're not really into the spiritual thing. And I say, do both, do both and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So whatever that thing is that keeps us from fully engaging, man, let's just push back that. I say whatever that thing is because it's different for everyone. Every excuse has a different name, but they're all the same thing. They're an impediment towards the will of God. They're, they're a blockage to the purpose of God. And, and, and guys, when we, when we lead, when we step in, when we participate, when we get involved, I mean, there's so much life that happens. You just feel the family. You just feel the family rise with the dad. You feel the spouse come up with the father. So I'm just saying we can do it, guys. We can do it. And I want you to know, too, that ladies, if you, if you, if you have a man in your life who, who's not the leader you wish, don't let that hold you back from being everything God wants you to be. I was telling Beth, um, I think this morning or last night for sure, there, there's a, a lady in our church. She, she's in our first service that is most excellent, most excellent in her, her walk with God, with the wisdom that she walks in, with the wisdom that she shares to Beth and me. And she's retired, and as of this day, her husband's never been in this church one time that I know of for a service. And she hasn't let that keep her from rising to the place God wants her to be. So, so no excuses, ladies, either. Some of the ladies, sometimes we picked up this attitude, ladies, where we're like, I'm just waiting for my man to get it together, and until he does, I'm just going to, no, just go for Jesus. Go for Jesus either way. I'm so glad we don't video these services, because I don't, don't want to know what that just looked like. Let's, just go, for, let's just, just go for Jesus either way. Either way, we're going for him because of who he's made us. So you get the call and you push, back, you push past the resistance and then we can end the sermon here, right? Because everything's perfect from this point forward, right? Yeah, no, it didn't work out that way. Then through the call of Jeremiah, we see the need to be resilient. Write that down. The need to be resilient. Back to chapter one, our main text. Verse 7, then the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. Don't limit yourself. For you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone. I love this phrase here for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. Do you know what makes us resilient? Do you know what makes us overcome? tough circumstances? Do you know what helps us get through difficult seasons? Do you know what helps us stand back up after life has just slapped us in the face and knocked us on the ground? The presence of God. That's what it does. That's where our resilience comes from as God's people. I know there's all types of inspiring stories and literature in the movies we watch. You're going to watch the Olympics this afternoon, and they have these amazing documentary stories before you watch the race, the great things our Olympic athletes overcome, and those things help and are good, and God uses them. But ultimately, for the spiritual fruit that we want to have, we have to have the presence of God. That is a promise we have. No matter what circumstance, we have a God who will not give up on us, a God who will not forsake us, a God who promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even to the ends of the earth. His presence is with us into the place of uncertainty. Our God is with us no matter what circumstance we face. And so like Jeremiah, we can... Receive the call, push through the resistance because we know whatever the circumstance is, whatever difficult task God's called us to do, whatever thing God calls us to do that we don't think we can accomplish, whatever limit we have to push past, the presence of God will be with us and that is what makes the difference. Do you want to see this trend continue? Let's relook at the story of Moses. Back to Exodus four, we read this earlier. Moses replied to the Lord, "Lord, I've never been eloquent in the past or recently since you've been speaking to your servant because I'm slow and hesitant in speech." Look at verse eleven. Yahweh said to him, "Who made the human mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh?" Look at verse twelve. Now go, I will help you speak. Look at verse 12 there. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Isn't that just wonderful to see in verse 12? God said, I'm gonna help you and I'm gonna teach you. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to how to cre- um, deal with the situation. The Holy Spirit, the God himself, the Lord himself who His name is Yahweh, says, I will help you and I will teach you. He's a very present help in time of trouble. God is our helper. God is our strength. He's the one that helps us face circumstances. Some of you are facing circumstances that are overwhelming. Some of them are short-term. They're like a short-term circumstance. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through the next few weeks or the next few months. Some of you are facing circumstances that are long-term that there is no end in the seeable future. Whatever the case is, your God's not going to leave you, even when others give up on you, even when others abandon you, even when others don't have the mental fortitude to help you. You know, sometimes we face circumstances in life. This can be really disappointing to us that people we love who were with us before just can't go to that new place. They just can't go to us to that new trial. And it's not necessarily because Always that they're abandoning you specifically. It just Sometimes people's heart can't handle a circumstance. And this is when we have our God. Our God, there's no circumstance you face that he will not get you through. And he will give you that resilience. Let's look at the trend again in Gideon's life. You remember we read this before. Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver how, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's house. Lincoln, you relate to this, don't you? This is what they said in verse 16. But I will be with you, the Lord says. I will look at verse 16 there. I will be with you, the Lord says that to you. And, and it may not be in the screen, but it's in your Bible, right? Your Bible's better than the screen anyway, right? Because the, the, the screen makes mistakes. The Bible doesn't make a mistake, The Lord says, I will be with you. So here was Jeremiah. Jeremiah gets the call. And and there's a character of God that has been revealed through stories like Moses and Gideon. That God's going to be with you. God's going to be with you no matter what the circumstance. So everything seems perfect. Gideon gets the call. He knows the word. He pushes through his limitation. And he goes and delivers the word of the Lord. Guess what happens next? Jeremiah, this is. You know what happens next for Jeremiah? He gets beat up. That's what happens. He gives the word of the Lord and he gets beat up. Go to chapter 20. This is it in your notes. You'll have to write this down. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse one through four. It says, For the priest, the son of the mayor and the chief officials in the temple of the Lord heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. So Jeremiah is doing what God called him to do. And so the prophet was beaten and he put him in stocks in the Lord's temple. This guy was beat up, put in stocks by the people of God in the Lord's temple. Later on, write the scripture down. We don't have time to look at it this morning. Jeremiah 37, chapter 37, verse 15 and 16 gives another example of that. And, and you can just throw it up real quick. The officials were angry at Jeremiah. They beat him and placed him in jail. So what am I trying to say here is sometimes when we do the right thing, we speak the word of the Lord, there are seasons when we get beat up by other people, sometimes people who claim to know God. Sometimes we can feel like we're in prison right here in the house of the Lord. I say this not to give you some sense of dread, like, oh no, I'm gonna follow God's call and in the future, that means bad things are guaranteed to happen to me. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make this, if you are going through some temporary troubled times, where you feel like you've been beaten up, when you feel like you've been in prison, that doesn't necessarily mean you're out of God's will or you've done anything wrong. You may be right in God's will and the circumstances, that's where God needs you right now. And it's, it's gonna be okay. The Lord wants you to know this today. It is gonna be okay because here's the last point I wanna make today is I wanna make the last place that Jeremiah went to was a place where he was Productive. Jeremiah, back to today's text. Chapter 1, verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms. And this is what he did, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish. And then look at this last part, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord was very difficult for the people of God. Jeremiah had a very difficult task and he had to tear down some false, false representations of God. He had to speak against false prophecies and he suffered some temporary consequences for that. But guess what? Now these nearly, let's see, 2,700 years later, 2,700 years later, guess who we're talking about today? We're talking about Jeremiah. And guess what? I'm getting so much fruit from this scripture I'm gaining so much courage from this story that he is building, God is building me up through the story of Jeremiah. And that's what he's going to do through your story, too. Your story is going to build, build, and plant. You're going to plant the right things, and you're going to see God's going to use your story to build up his kingdom, to build up his purposes, because that's the type of God that we serve. And I want us to bring, I want to bring us back to Jesus, because that's where we always go back. Jesus was called by the Father because no one else could do what Jesus did. There was none other lamb who was found worthy except Jesus who was fully man and fully God. He had a unique call that only he could fulfill. And Jesus, Jesus endured the cross. He he endured the cross. He was in the garden of Gethsemane and he, he had a little bit of resistance himself so we could Relate to him and he can relate to us. He said, Father, is there another way? Is there another way? He said, but not my will, yours be done. Then Jesus went to the cross. He endured the shame of the cross, which was much more damaging than the physical pain. He endured the shame of the cross for you and me. And then Jesus was placed in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. Talk about productive. Heroes again with some keys. These are the keys over death, Hades, the grave. Meaning death no longer got the final word. That Hades is that place of uncertainty, that place we don't know about, that place of fear. And Jesus has the keys to those. And we don't have to go there any longer. We don't have to go to the place of uncertainty because he is alive with resurrection power. He is ultimately the productive one, the one who is redeeming the world and he starts by redeeming you and me and that's the type of god we serve that's why we can pray along with the apostle paul in ephesians chapter 3 we can pray these words now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within you to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen Let's stand together in the attitude of prayer. I wanna I wanna minister to you a little bit before before we dismiss. You've been so attentive today. Now this is the time that the Holy Spirit's gonna just gonna come and he's just gonna cause the word to be life to us. I know that there's some of you that need to be at places, and I respect your schedule, but but if you're able to stay these last few minutes, this is the time when God wants to come and begin to just move these last five or ten minutes that we have. I respect those of you who have to go, but 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 we're we're here to to allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to move in this place. This is what I I really sense in my heart. This kind of came over me in the first service um, and and I believe it's for this service too. Um, I believe that the enemy is attacking the call of God on our life. He's attacking that call of God, that personal call of God on our life. And it is manifested many times in discouragement we, we are discouraged people many many of us here are discouraged today and i believe the lord wants you to hear this and this is practical advice this isn't like some deep kind of word from the lord necessarily it's just practical advice is that that every person gets a little bit discouraged okay every person gets a little bit discouraged and and when you have feelings of discouragement that you don't need to despair we don't need to give too much power to our discouragement because see the human emotion like we're down and then we're up again then we're down and we're up again and that's just the way human beings are we we know that even from from biology the way our brain is is hooked and from from the the good things we can learn from psychology how 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 our, our 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 personality and psyche is in our mind. So, so we're kind of, we're up and we're down, we're up and we're down, but there's a center place. There's a center place and that place is Jesus. It's the cross. It's, a, it's our faith. It's our foundation. And, and so when we're feeling a little discouraged and when we're down and when we're even in seasons of discouragement, we should not give too much power to that discouragement. We should not do so. And I want to encourage you in that. I mean, Yesterday I had a, had a really active day yesterday. And I I had a ministry appointment at someone's home. And then I did a a really difficult funeral that was challenging. and, and, And I just... Had this cloud over me. I just had this kind of funk kind of thing. You've been there before. I just was just down a little bit. I didn't really even tell Beth about it. I just worked it out. I just kept working it through. I just kept working it through. I didn't despair and say, Oh God, oh Lord, have you abandoned me? Oh God, I lost my calling. Oh God, I don't have these joyful feelings today. Is something wrong with me? I just knew that it was going to get better. It was going to get better, and it did. The day improved. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm feeling real good right now. I, but Jesus is the center. We don't ride these ways. We, we stay centered on him. We stay focused on him. We stay centered on who he is. And some of us, we're giving too much life to our discouragement. It's like we're, like we're letting our discouragement. Take, it's like we just feel a little bit of discouragement go our way. And, and, and we just give in like, to despair. And, and here's what I just want you to know today. That if you're just feeling discouraged today or later on in the week, that it will pass. You will get through it. You will get through it. We've had a lot of rain this this summer has been inconvenient at times. But when when a summer or spring rain comes, not a big storm that just blows everything over, but just a nice rain, you know, it's inconvenient and it's messy and it kind of messes up the plans. But after the rain, it's some of the most beautiful times we have. The flowers are alive and the birds are singing again and the air smells fresh and better. And and I want that to be a metaphor for you that even if things are messy right now and rainy and even dark, just hang in there, hang in there with God, hang in there with your relationship with Him. It's just gonna get better. It's gonna get better. I know it. Why do I know it? Because I know God's character. I know who He is. I see it in the life of Moses and Gideon and I see it in the life of Jeremiah and I see it in the life of Jesus and I see it in the life of Paul and Peter and I see it in the life of Aaron and Beth and you. That's who our God is. So we're going to turn to him. Let's turn to the Lord now. Let's turn to the Lord in who he is.